This podcast channel is about you, successful international entrepreneurs, successful expats, successful investors, sponsored by HCJ Contacts. All right. Thank you for those who are joining us. My name is Darren Joseph. Uh, HEJ.Tats, which is a member of Moore's Rule in Asia Pacific. We do these live streams. We try to do it every week. Although as we come closer to the US tax deadline, we'll probably get a bit more delinquent, but we get we try to do these live streams every week. We also redu- release video content every day on our various social media platforms, including YouTube, SoundCloud, basically wherever you get your podcasts, we will release new helpful content every day for you we we seek to demystify the world of cross-border tax international tax and today we have the honor and we have the privilege of two tax gurus who are colleagues in Moore's ruling we have Buniyip in Singapore and we have Ravi in KL Malaysia gentlemen would you like to introduce yourself Buniyip hi uh, uh thank you uh, Darren so my name is Buniyip uh I'm uh, in uh, Singapore, so I'm a partner in uh, Mosul in Singapore. So I did a bit of uh, uh, business advisories and uh, also tax. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. And Ravi? Hi, thanks, Darren. My name is Ravindra Narayana Sami. You can address me as Ravi. I'm the tax director here from Raki Siestan Ramanan. Raki Siestan Ramanan is affiliated to MARP, Asia Pacific. Uh, I mostly concentrate on tax consulting, uh, compliance work, also international taxes. Uh, my colleagues, my partners, uh, they're mostly involved in audits. Uh, thanks, Darren. Okay, fantastic. And as we always say that this, we are not giving tax advice. This is not meant to be tax advice. What we're doing is we're having a general conversation on general principles, which we hope would be helpful to you as you retain uh, this uh, a tax team who is uniquely equipped to address your specific situation, right? So you need to get advice, you need to seek professional advice. We're just having a general conversation. So thanks for that. We have a number of questions uh, that we wanna go through and we think that they will be helpful. And bear in mind that we don't think that one is better than the other. We don't think Malaysia is better than Singapore, vice versa. We think that these are very unique jurisdictions. They happen to be close to each other, but they're unique and they would be appropriate to different types of businesses, different types of entrepreneurs, uh, different types of of startups, right? So what we're hoping to do is kind of of like tickle the imagination and help you understand what makes each jurisdiction this thing and help you as you seek to make a decision, right? So the first question is, well, both Malaysia and Singapore are described as having a territorial tax system, but this is not technically 100% true in that there are circumstances, generally speaking, where foreign derived income can be subject to tax. Comments, and let's start with Ravi. Ravi, what are your comments on that? Especially Malaysia's had some quite a few changes, as I understand, within recent times. Territorial yeah. tax. Yes, Dad. Mm. It's, what you're saying is, is absolutely correct. Okay. There's been a lot of income tax cases in past year that income tax has been disputing the income remitted back to Malaysia, whether it's a Malaysian source 
or OC source. There were a lot of cases in the court cases running all these years. Most of the cases, income tax tend to lose the cases technically because there's no, uh, how you say, clear guideline in the act to put a line, say this is, you can't fulfill this condition, there's no tax. If you don't fulfill, it'll be tax in Malaysia. So there's no, it's always been a gray area. So saying that also, taxpayer have been taking opportunities. I can say that also. Bringing money into Malaysia without paying tax in overseas also. That means they don't pay in tax in overseas and don't pay in Malaysia. So as far as concern over here, the law doesn't say anything that it is not tax in overseas, it should be tax in Malaysia. It doesn't say that. So taxpayer has been taking this as an advantage at their point. So always court case goes, all these things comes. So the point the income tax will look at it is where the work done, the job is done, where it's concluded, all these tests they will do before they conclude. Okay. So what, uh, uh, all these things are happening technically. So since uh, this thing has been a gray area and income tax saying this is a big issue and big, a lot of revenue being uh, missed out or lost for the government because of this uh, shortfalls in the rulings. So they have changed the act since 1st January 2022. Uh, overseas income remitted back to Malaysia is taxable in Malaysia. Is taxable based on receipt basis. Okay. So, however, once they uh, came out with this ruling, there's a lot of who has the taxpayers and the general business uh, community on this. So after that, they, re, uh, they give some concession and they, they give some relaxation. One of it is for the first six month period from January until June, whatever amount remitted to Malaysia will be taxed at 3%. Okay, following that period, the tax will be based on the prevailing corporate tax rate. The company have to pay, okay? Then for individuals, they have given exemption on foreign income remitted back to Malaysia on all income until 2026. For all, for, this is Malaysia tax resident only. Non-resident, they can still bring money to Malaysia. It will be tax-free, still will be tax-free. This is for Malaysian tax resident only. And further to that, dividend income also, this is for corporate, for dividend income, corporate uh, dividend received from overseas is also exempted, but they have put certain condition on this. Uh, one is the baseline tax must be at, at least at 15%. And uh, some of the condition is now, recently they put another condition saying that the dividend that you receive from that company, uh, they must have a, a substance. The company must be have substance. That means that it is not a... Uh, how you say it is Job not company. an intermediate company yeah without mm -hmm. anything just transferring the money it must be a company in operation doing a real activity that transfers mm -hmm. the money so we have this issue so as what you say yes uh, the definition is a territorial tax is no longer uh, stays so it is yeah. it's going to be taxed <laughs> everywhere we have to look okay so just just to quickly summarize so the first thing is it hasn't changed if management and control, if it's a company or if the economic activity, if it's a person or whatever is being exercised within Malaysia, 
even though it's collected outside, the point is it's taxable to Malaysia because in the in the situation where management and control or some sort of economic activity is being exercised from within Malaysia. Yes. However, the it's in a period of transition right now where uh so any so okay so the dividends piece i think that's straightforward there's a minimum tax uh above which yes it can be remitted free of charge otherwise it'll be subject to tax and then you have the the idea that if it's a shell company that doesn't count yeah it has to be there has to be real substance economic substance in some of the yeah. jurisdictions for the dividends to come in now in terms of other types of remitted income it will be subject to tax but it's going to be phased in over a period of time okay yes. so right now we're looking at uh 3% but eventually by mm -hmm. 2026 it will be whatever the prevailing corporate tax rate is corporate which tax roughly tax. is around 25% yes yeah the, the other thing Darren, when uh, uh bunyip's uh reply this also i just wanted to uh, just clarify bunyip to clarify because what i heard is Malaysia mm -hmm. currently is their their remittance basis is ba purely based on remittance basis, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard Singapore they only have they also have a provision of set off. That means you don't in Malaysia you must the money must actually come to Malaysia then only you tax it. If mm -hmm. Crediting the amount knocking off with accounts is not counted as for tax, but Singapore does have that provision saying that that also is counted. I'm not sure. Yeah, okay. Generally, um, Singapore and Malaysia, uh, they, the, the tax system is based on UK, so they, they share the almost the same principles. Uh, but uh, I, would think, I would think Singapore is a lot easier. So in terms of foreign source income, uh, there are three categories that, are, uh, that you can have a tax exemption as a dividend, foreign source dividend. Uh, service income and also uh, branch profits, right? So what happened is obviously you have to satisfy criteria. So there are three criteria that you have to satisfy. So being taxed already in the overseas uh, jurisdiction. And uh, of course, the headline tax must be 15%. And also uh, the controller has to be satisfied that uh, um, that, that uh, is, is not at the expense uh, of the uh, Singapore tax. Right, so the taxpayer, I mean, so these are the main uh, uh, criteria, the three main criteria that you have to meet, uh, all of them, uh, in order to uh, have those income uh, exempted from tax. I think it's fair and uh, equitable because if you look at uh, the, the basis of uh, Singapore is, uh, they always say that you, you wouldn't be taxed twice. Right. So say, for instance, dividend is always first year. So you will not tax you another time unless the dividend has not suffered any tax in overseas. So which is why uh, you must first suffer the tax and uh, the headline tax has to be 15%. And nowadays, I think 15%, you would hit all jurisdiction except tax haven. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think is this part is very clear in Singapore. But there's a gray area also. Uh, I mean, I personally feel that often I had uh, an inquiry from clients. Uh, back then, I think two weeks ago, I had one. They were asking, mm -hmm. uh, if I set up a company in Singapore, but all my uh, trades, all my the, the management control, everything else is offshore. 
So nothing except uh, Singapore company. Even the bank account uh, is not in Singapore. So do I exempt from tax? Uh, the answer is no. Okay, no, because they are in trade. So actually it's a real company. So what happened is this, this crew of people, they are from Australia. So they are thinking to do some restructuring. Uh, obviously they are not thinking to evade tax or what. Uh, primarily it's just uh, to consider Singapore jurisdiction. But they heard about uh, if you have a Singapore company uh, with everything else uh, offshore, uh, means you, you you don't have to suffer any tax, but that's not true. Okay, that's not true. That's a, that's yeah. not true. I, I'm, and that's an important point. I'm glad you raised it because I mean I don't want to call their name, but there's a, another big service provider with a, a heavy, a very strong online presence based in Singapore that has been selling that online. So what they what they have advocated is if there's no bank, there's no economic substance in Singapore then the company is zero that they've said this online and but you but you're saying that this may not be technically true sometimes yes as long as they are in trade okay mm -hmm. so uh it's definitely subject to tax but uh they, they there may be a somehow a twist so depending on how they sell it so it could be service income they were in service industry and it's foreign source uh, yes, probably, yes, uh, you may not subject to tax in Singapore. So I don't know how uh, they sell it, but if you are in trade, uh, a Singapore company, definitely uh, you suffer a corporate tax. Mm -hmm. Okay, understood, understood. So, so just to kind of summarize, you're correct. So the regime, uh, so both, as, as correctly pointed out, in terms of the heritage, both derive from UK company law, company act. Uh, so they both have the principle of management and control, first and foremost, and in terms, and they all have the idea of the remittance basis of, of taxation, except that there are fewer exceptions for Singapore, yeah. and there are perhaps more exceptions for Malaysia. So uh, in, in Singapore, it's absolutely sacrosanct. Dividends are tax-free, provided they've been taxed elsewhere, minimum 15%. But uh, again, other remittances, they will be free of tax provided they've been taxed somewhere else, right? And of course, yeah. proper transfer pricing, if it's a related party transaction as well. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Irrespective of whether you remit, uh, but if you are in trade, it's subject to tax. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you very much for that. Let's move on to the next one. Oh, the, the corporate tax rate yes so what 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 yeah, again this might be uh, a straightforward question but i know that there tends to be you know a little bit of exceptions to it so uh, i'll start with you Bunya. what is the corporate tax rate in singapore but how could it be modified what are opportunities are there for reducing that rate uh okay so the headline uh tax is 70 percent uh, so I, I don't think that would get uh, any lower. It's considered quite low in the, uh, uh, in the region. So I, I don't think uh, the government will, will get any lower. Uh, but uh, um, in Singapore, you have something uh, called a tax exemption. So effectively, uh, I would say most of the companies, most of the SME uh, would not hit 17%. 
Okay, who not is seventy percent. So it can be as low as I think is uh, let me check. Uh, it's uh, as low as effectively is four point two five percent. Yeah. Mm. So it's really low. So you're talking okay. about if you have a hundred thousand of uh, uh, chargeable income, you're talking mm -hmm. about four point two five percent of tax effectively. How does that work? I mean, not not in details, but how is it that it has come all the way down from seventeen to four? Just yeah, so yeah. They, they have something like a relief, okay? Mm -hmm. So if you uh, had that relief taken mm -hmm. away, so effectively you are paying a smaller amount of tax, so mm -hmm. that moves up to be 4.25%. Right, and is there a threshold? So you mentioned SME, so your turnover has to be below what income? Oh, no, it, it doesn't uh, track by uh, turnover. So as okay. long as you have chargeable income, Mm -hmm. uh, you you get uh, tax exempted uh, on a certain level, right? So chargeable income up to hundred thousand. Yes. Uh, let me see. If I'm not mistaken, hundred thousand you get some. Uh, uh, you get fifty percent off mm -hmm. hundred thousand, something like that. But I, I don't uh, remember quite correctly. Okay. So, and, and just to be clear, again, for those who may be listening, when we say chargeable income, we mean taxable income. So, yes. earnings uh, after expenses. That that Correct. is okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, four percent sounds pretty attractive. Malaysia, Ravi. Yeah. Okay. For Malaysia, the corporate tax there's two tiers. One is for the non-SME companies. Non-SME companies, uh, basically, their paid-up capital is less than two point five million. Okay, mm -hmm. for the less than 2.5 million, for the first 600K, their tax mm -hmm. rate is 17%. The rest of it will fall 24%. Mm -hmm. For non-SME, uh, that is paid up capital above 2.5 million, or whatever income they receive is at flat 24%, technically. So, but I'm not sure. Uh, I'm waiting for the, but, but, but there's lab one, right? Yeah, yeah, that's Labuan. <laughs> Labuan is getting more stricter. Yeah. That means yeah. The, uh, yeah. the rules are more tighter because of the mm -hmm. BIPs uh, conditions mm -hmm. they put in mm -hmm. to Malaysia. Mm -hmm. Labuan also, there's two things. One is Labuan business activity. Labuan yeah. business activity, you comply to the substance. If you comply mm -hmm. to the substance, actually the substance depends on the what kind of industry. Certain industry, they have a different substance. Okay, mm -hmm. this industry, they maybe say your substance, you must have one, uh, you must have an office, so much of mm -hmm. expenses. You have one mm -hmm. staff, you're operating mm -hmm. expenditure so much. It, then different uh, nature of a business, different uh, requirement. So it's based on the substance. If you fulfill the substance means, then you'll be taxed at uh, 3% on the, mm -hmm. on the net profit, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, on the accounts, that, that is it, okay? If you don't comply with the substance, then you go for 24%. Mm. Okay? Last time there was a, before this act changes, they saying, mm. uh, they told that those uh, Lamuan company didn't comply to the substance, they must report mm. the income tax under the income tax act, not the Lamuan yes. act. There was a Correct. lot of uh, against uh, on this because the business community mm. didn't agree because they have a, a physically the, the arrangement has been done, all these things, you cannot really overnight change this. That's why they mm -hmm. have this flexibility. They say you still can be a lab one tax, but you pay twenty four percent tax. Mm -hmm. okay? So, so since they are still in lab one, there is still benefit for them because they don't still submit the tax estimate form. 
a few of the conditions that apply under the Income Tax Act, they no, no need to follow. They still follow the Lab 1 tax rule. A bit, I see a bit relaxed. But the thing is, uh, mm-hmm. Lab 1, uh, although the tax is low, but the penalties are quite high mm. compared to Income Tax Act. So one mm. of our clients, uh, I think at three years back, is, uh, we are not doing that company, I should, because they have uh, many companies under the group. The, the, yeah. uh, the tax agent is a different tax agent. So... It was rushing and they couldn't make the deadline and submitted. I think that, uh, just the submission, the late submission fee come around half a million. Mm. It's, it's quite, and, and it's very difficult. We heard it's a difficult task to go and appeal with Lab 1. Although, mm-hmm. that's why I see they're, they're giving this kind of concession, but they're catching you with this. <laughs> so you, 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 you must really uh, see mm. whether the company... Some of them are moving out already from Lab 1 because they, they couldn't comply with the, mm-hmm. these requirements. You see? Mm-hmm. Then, okay, the other one is lab, uh, non-business activity. Lab 1, non-business activity, like investment holding. Same thing mm-hmm. also, that's the second tier. If they mm-hmm. comply with the substance, zero tax. Mm-hmm. Wow. Zero tax. Yeah. yeah. If they doesn't comply with the substance, same problem, 24% mm-hmm. tax. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's super important to get advice from reputable, qualified tax teams to make sure that whatever it is you're doing is in compliance with the Lab 1 Act, assuming that, that that's the yes. appropriate route. Yes. Okay. Yes. Whereas in Singapore, the 4%, it, there, there are a few caveats for 4%. And, and Bunia, if I understood what you said earlier, there may not even be a substance requirement. You just, the private limited, does it? Is there a requirement for companies to have economic substance in Singapore? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think mm. probably the, the lowest, uh, uh, I mean, is 4.25%, uh, yeah. but you have conditions. So what happened mm-hmm. is uh, to enjoy that kind of uh, tax exemption, mm-hmm. uh, there's a shareholder's uh, requirement, I think. Okay, I think mm-hmm. it's 3% has to be individual, need not be uh, uh, local, it can be a foreigner. So if you have uh, those... 100% own uh, corporate corporate shareholders. Uh, you may not enjoy 4.25%, but you still enjoy a lower uh, um, effective tax. Uh, I couldn't remember how much, but definitely mm-hmm. it's not much. Uh, uh, I think probably six, five, six percent So it's not mm-hmm. a far away. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the requirement is for individual shareholders. But what about economic substance? Is there any substance requirements for Singapore? Okay, uh, basically these are trades, okay? So mm-hmm. companies that are involved in uh, trades. So trades mm-hmm. as in, uh, you, you, you provide service is considered a trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you yeah. sell goods, right? So as mm-hmm. long as mm-hmm. you are in uh, trades, uh, they, they allow fine. you these uh, exemptions. Mm-hmm. Right, so in other words, no uh, holding companies, no investment companies. Yes, yes, correct, correct. Okay. Uh, holding companies right. are not entitled, uh, but they they get uh, they don't get the full tax exemptions, which uh, mm. gets to, to as low as four point two five percent. But they still get the partial, uh, which mm-hmm. is I think probably seven eight percent. Okay, gotcha. Thank you very much for that. Next question. Uh, right. Some com- some jurisdictions, for example, the United States, right. There, you, you do get double tax in the sense that the company pays taxes at whatever, the, well, the corporate tax rate for C Corp right now is 21%. And then when the shareholder receives the dividends, that's going to be taxed at whatever their ordinary tax rates are. Well, if it's qualified dividends, it's going to be 15 or 20%. So 
So then, so that's what the individual will pay or the shareholder would pay, right? Uh, I think you made it clear, Bunyip, that for Singapore, there is no tax on dividends, except where the dividends arise from outside and remitted into Singapore. And they have not been taxed at least. Uh, the corporation that generated those dividends has not been taxed. Uh, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, yeah. So if he, he has been taxed uh, overseas, uh, there's, there isn't any more tax in Singapore. Uh, but that is just uh, provided it is taxed uh, besides cooperation. So I think there's some kind of uh, corporate in, in Singapore, like the union, they do give up dividend. So I'm a union member. So they give up dividend, but it's taxed in Singapore. Mm. So I get okay. taxed. So, okay, so just to be clear, it's not just the corporation that generated the dividend, but the dividend itself must have been taxed from yes. whatever jurisdiction it was in before it comes back to Singapore. Yeah, correct. Then it taxed with to Singapore. Yeah. Understood, understood. So there is double tax on dividends that arises from outside of Singapore, but not domestic dividends. Domestic dividend, you don't get tax. Most of the domestic dividend, you don't get tax except the union. As I said, uh, then there isn't many union here in Singapore. So, union as in what, what type of union? Like okay. trade union? The one that I had was uh, is trade union. It's called right. cooperative, something like that. So I get dividend every year being a member, yeah. uh, but uh, I have to pay tax for that. Okay. So, okay, that's a special entity. Yeah. Uh, so it's not a... a private limited it's something else no, no, okay it's not, it's not. yeah it's corporate gotcha. right and, and ravi malaysia yes it sounds like it's it's more yes than no is it yeah now i can say safely can say most of the dividend malaysia dividend are tax exempted because it's okay. uh, we go on single tier basis as mm. long as the corporate uh, has been taxed, then they pay from the single tier account, then it's exempted, or it's from their exam account. It's exempted. But but companies mm -hmm. must be careful whether they're receiving dividends from BVI company from Lab One. Yeah. Because Lab One, as I told you, is tax-free. Mm -hmm. Okay. But some of the BVI company they pay to Lab One, then Lab One distribute the dividend back to Malaysia. That one will mm -hmm. be taxable. Hmm. Because okay, so it sees through the lab one and looks at the because underlying. Because as you told, because, no, it's a shelf company technically. Oh right, went back to the shelf company rule. Yeah. So okay, so the companies just so I understand it. So the company that generates the dividend must have been taxed. Yes. Yes. It, it's not necessarily necessary that the dividend has been taxed, but the company must have borne a tax burden yes. wherever it is. Yes. Yes. Hmm. So is there any minimum tax? So, for example, Labuan three percent. There are other at the moment Labuan from Labuan. There's no no. Uh, I don't see any conditions coming in Labuan because as right. long as Labuan pays, it says the other mm -hmm. side is tax means is okay because they have a different uh, jurisdiction totally from the Income Tax Act over here. Mm -hmm. Right, and there are other jurisdictions that will give you one percent corporate tax. So if it's been taxed at one percent somewhere else, the dividends will still be tax free to Malaysia, yeah. right? Yes. Right. So, so in that sense, sorry, they just want to ensure it's not a shelf company. Yeah, that means they're not shifting the profit here. That's right. all. So at least yes. it's, it's tax. Any any percentage, I think, it, this 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 for Labuan only. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay. Uh, so that that could be quite interesting. So if it is someone has 
some sort of uh, interest in a company outside of Singapore, Malaysia. And the company is in a low tax jurisdiction. It's not a shell company in their substance, right? Then it would be perhaps to someone's advantage to be in Malaysia as opposed to be Singapore because Singapore will want the dividends to have been taxed elsewhere. Whereas Malaysia is saying it's fine. Once the company has been taxed and there's real substance, you can get the dividends tax-free. Am I correct in saying that? No, that one, as I, as I told you, that one is applied for Labuan only. If oh, that not for Labuan, right. that means the yeah. dividend is coming through. They're using Labuan as an inter intermediate company to pay to a Malaysian mm. company here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If even normal from overseas coming back to here, same as mm -hmm. what Bunib has said, the same thing. It, ah. it will be taxed. It will be taxed mm -hmm. if mm -hmm. doesn't uh, qualify for the headline tax, 15%. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So the company must have been taxed at 15% minimum. And yeah. it must have been, there must be substance as well. Right. Yes. Correct. Correct. Right. But the difference from what Bunyip is saying, if I'm understanding it correctly, is that Singapore is saying the company should have been taxed and the dividends should have been taxed elsewhere to come in. Whereas Malaysia is saying the company the should Malay have been taxed. Okay, from Malaysia, it's saying mm -hmm. yeah. the dividend must be taxed, the company uh, must have a substance. It didn't uh, say the company must be taxed. Oh, I see. The dividend must be taxed. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The company must have a substance. Right. And the dividend must have been taxed at a minimum of 15%. is there any minimum? 15%. Right? 15%. Okay. But so any, anyway, if you're, you're talking about that also, you still get the unilateral and bilateral credit when you calculate the tax. You can still not copy that figures. So you get so okay, so you get tax credits for the tax that has been paid outside? Yes. Right, but that'll be deductible against ordinary income or, or passive income as well. How would you, what benefit to, is that to you as a Malaysian tax resident if you get credits for taxes paid on those dividends outside? You don't pay double tax. Right. Okay, you well, but, but, but then dividends are tax-free in Malaysia anyway, right? Ah, for Malaysia, no. Yeah, correct. That means the dividend yeah, paid by yeah. Malaysian company is tax-free. Yes, yes, correct. Wow, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Okay, all right. So in other words, okay, so then I'll re revise my conclusion. Singapore and Malaysia are probably the same. Yeah. yeah. In terms of, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. gotcha. But I remember the last time Malaysia still have the, the non-first-year dividend, right? So do they still have currently? Uh, no. Right. no more. Okay. No. Right. That one, uh, that time is on the sec when we have the section 108. Oh, okay. Declaring that time. But now it's all consistent single tier, the rule change. There, there's no more. No, no more. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we can move from corporate to personal. So question is, what are the personal income tax rates? Uh, generally speaking, I guess obviously the the tears, but I, I guess we're looking for opportunities, planning opportunities when it comes to receiving income from outside. So, personal income tax, Ravi, what are the the ranges and what opportunities there are there? Personal income tax at the moment, the minimum, uh, mm -hmm. is of course starts from one percent for the first after the first five thousand. Okay, mm -hmm. technically, then the maximum is. 30% mm. on the above 2 million. Mm. 
So it is quite high, you can see. Mm. That, that is for tax resident, it's based on scale rate. Tax resident, mm -hmm. you have you need to be 182 days in Malaysia to qualify. Mm -hmm. Then uh, that, that's the minimum requirement. Then there are a few acts that you can check also whether you're qualified or not, because you can see in two, three years or so, there's a calculation to be seen. But in basic, you must be 182 days in Malaysia to qualify. Mm -hmm. If you're non-resident, then you will be taxed at 30% uh, flat rate without any relief, no tax mm -hmm. relief. Mm -hmm. Okay, so one to thirty percent per Malaysian tax resident. Now we spoke about dividends, so we don't need to talk about that. What about other remittances? So if somebody has royalties, uh, interest, income, would all that be taxable as well, unless yeah. it was taxed somewhere else? Uh, no, because we have a mm -hmm. under the DTA. Also, you have this. We also right. have it. We call it special classes of income. Okay, mm -hmm. that goes under withholding tax. Interest mm -hmm. at the moment is 15% withholding mm -hmm. tax. Like Singapore and Malaysia, they have a DTA. For the, we, uh, mm -hmm. Singapore and Malaysia is 10%. Okay, so they give a reduced rate. Right. Okay, then you, but, you have that. Mm -hmm. right. But if, if it is that the income is being remitted or received from a jurisdiction without a DTA with Malaysia. Then, then it go 15%. That'll be fifteen percent across the board. Fifteen percent. You follow that. You fall back to the Malaysian Income Tax Act. If the DTA giving a lower rate means you'll fall back to the mm -hmm. DTA. Okay, understood. Okay. okay. Then you have technical fees. Technical fees yeah. is uh, normally ten percent. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then uh, you have uh, royalties. Royalties mm -hmm. also you have ten percent. Mm -hmm. Then you have a uh, uh, what do you say? Uh, contractors. Mm -hmm. uh, consultant and contract uh, that means you, you are in Malaysia more than six months you're doing some projects or what then that will be on 10 plus 3 10, mm -hmm. 10 plus 3 means 10 uh, for the company another mm -hmm. 3 for the employees that you are mm -hmm. uh, that you are bringing outside Malaysia uh, to work here because mm -hmm. uh, this, this money normally, they have 10 plus 3 because they, they assume this company will have, need to do a tax return at the end of the project because their, their presence, PE presence is more than 6 months. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. So when they do the return, if there is any uh, making a loss or anything, they can get the refund. If they are mm -hmm. making more profit, then they have to pay a higher tax based on the corporate rate. 24%, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 24%. Okay. Bunia, individual taxes. Okay. Uh, so... Uh, are you saying referring tax or personal tax? Personal tax, individual, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Right. So personal tax uh, in Singapore, it, it, I think it's quite a big spread. So you're talking about the lowest at 2%, uh, up to the highest of 24%. So mm -hmm. they really uh, tax the, the rich one. So mm -hmm. if you are earning like uh, uh, 200,000, 240,000 a year, you could be end up paying close to 20%. So it's quite high. So 20% mm -hmm. is quite high. Okay, normal uh, mid-income, we, we will end up like uh, uh, between uh, 6 to 12%, something like that. Mm -hmm. So most of us would, would hit that bracket, right? So, um, uh, but unfortunately, um, mm -hmm. Singapore government gives a lot, support a lot SME, mm -hmm. uh, I mean yeah. corporate tax, in terms of corporate, uh, but mm -hmm very little to the, the personnel. So there isn't a lot of incentives for personnel. So mm -hmm. whatever you earn, uh, most of them get taxed. Yeah. 
Okay. And what about income arising outside? We spoke about dividends already, but what about someone getting interest, royalties, some sort yeah. of passive income, maybe rental income from outside? So uh, interest is not taxable. So like what uh, Ravi say, so if you receive royalty, everything else, you'll probably get taxed outside, right? Okay. So, but not by Singapore. Yeah, you are not in. A, you are not a trade, so you you mm. probably suffer tax, and you will not be considered. Okay. Whereas Malaysia is going to tax you on that passive income that you receive from outside. Yeah. Okay. Understood. And and Ravi, does it apply to rental income? So like, if I'm living in KL and I have lots of rental properties in Hong Kong and Singapore, and that the rent comes into me in in KL, am I going to be taxed on that as well? No, because income tax fall on uh, you're talking about individuals, huh? not individuals, yeah. Individuals. Individuals, okay, individuals. Yeah. Because you see, uh, income tax uh, normally you have to fall under the section four of the income tax. Section four, you have eight A, B, C, D, E, F. Okay, mm -hmm. you must fall. Rental is one of it, but the rental it says that it must be territorial basis. I told you the rental right. must be from yeah. Malaysia. <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah, overseas yeah. income remitted back to Malaysia is taxable, as I told you, but mm -hmm. you want to tax the overseas Malaysia remitted back to tax, the income must fall, still must fall under the 4A, must be within right. the 4A. So right, right. we have one under withholding tax clause, say income of movable properties. Okay, mm. maybe you rent a ship means yes. Mm -hmm. That means there will be taxable withholding tax on it, mm -hmm. you're receiving it. You have to receive withholding tax when you make the payment. But uh, mm. for these uh, properties, uh, mm. there's no tax technically mm. for overseas. That means you, you remit the money, it won't fall mm. under the section 4A. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So that's good. But other classes of income. Because technically, you have well. suffered yeah. tax also in overseas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, but the others that we discussed, so royalties, interest, that'll all be still taxable, even those coming from overseas. Yes, okay, gotcha. yes. Okay. So in Singapore, uh, if you have overseas income, uh, mm -hmm. uh, that is suffered tax uh, in, let's say, Australia, uh, when you receive it in Singapore, you, you don't even need to declare. So mm -hmm. that's the thing. So uh, it's quite clear. So whatever mm -hmm. taxable, uh, they are like uh, rental. Yes, it's taxable. Trades, uh, property, investment. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Stock options. So the, the other one that is uh, taxable. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. So we'll actually let that takes us to our next question. Let's talk about stock options, right? Uh, I've seen. Well, I've seen in uh, in some spaces, it's discussed and termed an exit tax for Singapore. If it is you're working in Singapore and you had options with whatever company is popular with technology companies, especially, and then your, your employment pass is surrendered and you're leaving Singapore permanently, there's a deemed exercise rule. So you're deemed to exercise those options, even though you have not. And so that, that's considered an exit tax of sorts. Are there any other exit tax of, the, of that nature that applies to Singapore? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Singapore has this uh, deemed exercise rule. So generally, uh, stock option is only taxable when you exercise. So uh, uh, this exception when it, uh, is where deemed exercise rule applies. So uh, when you cease employment, and uh, there are essentially four types. Okay, 
uh, we split it into two. One is stock options, uh, one is share awards. So mm -hmm. share awards are normally given to you, uh, mm -hmm. free, uh, as in like uh, the company gives you shares. Uh, options you definitely have to exercise. So an exercise uh, stock options. Okay, the four types are an exercise stock options, uh, restricted stock options, which are those shares under a moratorium. Okay, and uh, invested uh, share award, and also mm -hmm. restricted share award under moratorium. So these are the four types, right? So it's mm -hmm. deemed uh, exercisable. Okay, any other exit taxes that may apply when someone is leaving Singapore, or is that that about it? Yes, for stock options, that is uh, essentially the four types of uh, stocks mm -hmm. that uh, mm -hmm. uh, I mean uh, attracted the the deemed exercise pool. Understood, understood. Uh, Ravi, what about Malaysia? Are there any other taxes that are uh, that happen or that are triggered when someone is leaving Malaysia permanently, like when they give up their EP? Okay, before I answer this question, I just yeah. strike my mind before the question going back again. The individual mm -hmm. tax you're asking, right? For the rental. Mm -hmm. Actually, we don't need to worry about individual tax remitted back to from overseas because I told you from the beginning because it's exempted until 2026. Right, so, yeah. So, so we, yeah. we expecting it, they should mm -hmm. extend it, lah, I think so. Because the, the thing is, a lot of people like uh, Malaysian working in Singapore also. You mm -hmm. see, they're going every day, come back. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot mm -hmm. of technical issues. I think they want to sort out, iron out all these issues before they want to make it. So at this moment, I can say it's mm -hmm. no tax. Lah. Not to say rental also. Whatever individual remit back from overseas, it should mm -hmm. be tax exempt. Okay, understand. Until okay, 2026. Time. Okay, exit tax. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. You're talking about exit tax. There's no such exit tax in Malaysia. But you're talking mm -hmm. about uh, exit means the like a company is exiting from Malaysia or the individual is from exiting from Malaysia. You're referring for that kind of thing, right? Yeah, moving mm -hmm. on. So if oh, in, case, in, in, in this case, an individual. So we're playing the scenario of an okay, individual. individual they're giving the up their employment tax, pass and they're leaving. Yeah. Uh, they only need to do a tax clearance. That right. means, okay, they need to do tax clearance. That's all. That means get, they have to upfront submit to the income tax within 30 days mm -hmm. from your resignation date. Actually, let's say you're resigning in 30 January means you must submit by December before that month one month mm. earlier, then you must clear. Before you leave Malaysia, you get, must mm. get the clearance, then only you leave Malaysia. That's okay. only that. Right, so there are no like deemed exercise rules when it comes to restricted no. stock or no. options, no. nothing like that. No. Okay. No, no, no okay, such so thing. If, if, the, if the, in, the, yeah. in the event the employee failed to yeah. pay or clear the tax, the mm. employer will have to yes. take the risk paying the taxes. They will go Singapore. after an employee because it's in the act. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That's good to know. Moving on to the next question. Uh, right. The next question is about indirect taxes or what pe some people, because when people think about do I move to one jurisdiction or the other, they always focus on the direct taxes, the corporate tax, personal income tax. But sometimes they don't forget the indirect taxes could be also very important. So the GST, the VAT sales tax, service tax. So in terms of GST, how much is it in Singapore and what is the threshold? Oh, okay. Singapore, uh, bad news. So oh. from this year, uh, uh -huh. 
raised GST from 7 to 8%. And uh, from 1st of uh, January uh, 2024, it will be at 9%. So, uh, yes, it's 9% uh, upcoming and currently is at 8%. So, threshold, uh, okay, so a million is the threshold. So, if you are in trade, so if you don't uh, have a million of uh, revenue, uh, you need not register for GST. But generally speaking, uh, uh, given the rise in GST and uh, upcoming 9%, uh, there's an incentive to register for GST even if uh, your revenue doesn't hit the mandatory level, right? So reason being because you may incur input tax. So right, to get the refunds, yeah. Yeah, right, right, exactly. So you're talking about rentals has all uh, raised Right, so GST could be very high on the rental, so it makes sense for you to register uh, for GST. Mm, okay, so seven going to eight percent, one million threshold. Yeah, Ravi, one million Singapore dollars. Sorry, one million Singapore dollars. Yeah, yeah, Singapore dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Ravi, what about Malaysia? Oh, Malaysia uh, GST is history at the moment. <laughs> so we we came back to. SST, sales and service tax. Yeah. Generally, the threshold is 500k. <coughs> Sorry. Generally, the threshold is 500k. Okay. And how much is it? What is the amount? Uh, 6%. 6%. 6%. Oh, so so we wait and see next week whether they're increasing or not. <laughs> right. Budget next week. Okay. Yeah, budget. 6%. 6 okay. And... What about, is there the equivalent of a Netflix tax and digital services? So basically, if it is that you're a technology company, presumably with no uh, permanent establishment in, in Malaysia, Stavo Malaysia, but they are providing services to customers or clients in Malaysia, would they be taxed? If so, how and how much? Okay. This is called as digital tax. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, as I told you, uh, GST is not coming back. So they have to look on SST and expand it where they can to make more revenue. Okay. Mm -hmm. So one of it, what you say is recently, I think it's 20, not mistaken, 2020, not mistaken, there was, uh, they, impl uh, they implemented this foreign service provider. FSP, foreign service, digital foreign service provider need to register for SST for any mm -hmm. digital services provided in Malaysia if your mm -hmm. threshold reaches 500k per annum. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's compulsory. That means they are not, they are, the company is not registered in Malaysia, but you are from mm -hmm. overseas, you're doing business with Malaysia, you need to register. So this Netflix all fall under that category and mm -hmm. they have to register the rate still same six percent okay now so that's with a, a technology company like a streaming platform but what about a service provider if there's a consultant sitting in singapore and providing consulting services online to clients in, in kl or penang okay. would that would that SST apply to them as well yeah because they, we have another yeah. clause also imported services tax Okay. Ah, because right. you see, if initially th there was no when they uh, initial when they introduced the service tax, there is no such thing. Uh, then they find out that 
a lot of uh, companies are getting advice from overseas rather from Malaysia because they have to pay this six mm-hmm. percent extra. Okay, mm-hmm. because you go for Singapore elsewhere means you don't pay the six percent. So yeah. so they say <laughs> based on that, <laughs> they amend the act. They say if mm-hmm. you are mm-hmm. getting the services from overseas, it's related mm-hmm. to your business in Malaysia or anything to do your sales, your goods related in Malaysia. You mm-hmm. have to top up six percent, and you pay to the mm-hmm. customs. Okay, mm-hmm. that means you pay 100% there, but you top up another 6%. That means they may have to take it out from your own pocket, the 6% and pay to the customs. So their wow. own yeah. responsibility falls on the payer. Yes. Rather than the yeah. service provider. Because the service provider mm-hmm. is not registered. That's why They're they outside. have to come out such a rule. You're right. And so that, so I imagine that'll be easy to police if it's a, a corporate customer because then they want to deduct the expenses on their income statement right so then you know so there's a built-in incentive to comply whereas if suppose the the service provider in singapore wherever is providing it to individuals in malaysia not to companies in malaysia yeah how, how does it work there individual no it's for business only the service tax technically okay right okay gotcha perfect Understood. And uh, let's switch over to Singapore. Okay. Singapore has some similarity uh, uh, relation in terms of legal tax. And obviously, uh, since 2020, I think, okay, uh, mm-hmm. Singapore started the digital tax. So mm-hmm. I still remember in the past, I subscribed something from the web, the domain. Yeah. By that, uh, I don't see the GST thing coming up. But mm-hmm. I mean, since then, since 2020, I, I saw, right, GST. Mm-hmm. So that answer the, the question uh, for overseas vendor, like I, I remember subscribing from an old, uh, Australian uh, vendor. Mm-hmm. So they don't have any establishment here. So, but uh, mm-hmm. the invoice that I get is now GST. So what happened is that means they, they actually registered for GST. In fact, we did, mm-hmm. uh, what happened, uh, a very good, Case to showcase is uh, uh, one of the university. Uh, in fact, we have a uh, few universities client uh, mm-hmm. from. So, mm-hmm. what happens during COVID? They do a lot of online courses and yeah. also uh, university courses over uh, or on the web. Uh, right. I mean, by mm-hmm. web. So, uh, yeah, they they just uh, get us to register GST mm-hmm. because they are OC vendor that provides service. Mm-hmm in uh, Singapore, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a very good example. So um, yes, for that, there's one more rule, uh, just applying, uh, uh, just uh, in effect this year, 2023. So what happened is, uh, um, this, this, I think is the overseas vendor scheme, something like that. Okay, mm-hmm. so what happened is, if you are not a GST register, essentially if you're, if let's say I'm a, a company, but I'm not GST registered, I procure service from uh, overseas, so imported service like what uh, Ravi says. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, I have to actually do a reverse charge, GST. Mm. So to say, uh, let's say I buy a ten thousand uh, goods, I will have to add eight percent, eight hundred dollars on top of that, and mm-hmm. I pay GST to the government. But if I'm a GST registrant, so there is no meaning to do that because eventually I will claim back uh, my input tax. So there's mm-hmm. no. So this will affect uh, those non-GST registrants, which is why mm-hmm. I said uh, it makes sense to register for GST. 
Mm. Is there any de minimis? Is there any minimum or the I first? Think, mm -hmm. Yes, yes. The, the threshold is still the same, but uh, I think for the okay. OC, OC vendor piece is, is down to 100,000, something like that. Yeah. Okay. So if you procure services from outside of Singapore, that is 100,000 single more, you need to add GST to that. Uh, no, you have to charge GST for now. Yeah. But okay. uh, I think the, the OOC vendor scheme is, uh, the threshold is uh, if you do make a B2C supplies mm. on goods and remote services, such, mm -hmm. such like digital services, then mm -hmm. uh, to Singapore, exceeding 100,000. Okay, the threshold mm -hmm. is 100,000. And obviously your global turnover is what a million. Then you have right. to get yourself registered. That is the o o OVR mm -hmm. uh, regime. Okay. So it will be so so the the one million threshold still applies. So if you over if your turnover is less than a million, you don't need to worry about the overseas registration. Yes. So if you are overseas vendor, let's say if yeah. I'm overseas vendor, uh, mm -hmm. my turnover globally is a million, yes. and I do supplies to Singapore. Singapore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's say Singapore domain. Uh, mm -hmm. for exceeding one hundred thousand, then I have to do right. Okay, crystal clear. Gotcha. Thank you very much. So next question is about mandatory audits. So uh, I think Hong Kong is kind of popular in our neighborhood where any company at all needs to have an audit every year. But in uh, Malaysia and Singapore, I think there would be thresholds. Ravi, what is the threshold for requiring a, an audit for a company in Malaysia? Generally, all... Uh, corporation need to be audited. Oh, it's all okay. okay. All, yeah. but only yeah. they have given three categories exemption. Other than this category, uh -huh. all companies yeah. need to be audited. What right. is dormant company? Dormant mm -hmm. since incorporation and mm -hmm. current year also is dormant. Okay, but mm -hmm. for some reason, uh, from my experience, the company is mm -hmm. still auditing these companies. Okay, okay, they don't want to get some exemption. They want because you see, like banks or mm -hmm. certain companies, they ask for all uh, financial statement. They prefer to have an auditor report rather than just mm -hmm. giving them a PL or management account. That's mm -hmm. I can see that. The other category mm -hmm. is zero revenue company. Zero mm -hmm. revenue company means that the company does not have any revenue. Current, let's say, mm -hmm. current year, we're going to audit for the past yeah. two years or so, they have no revenue. Mm -hmm. At the same time, they do, their asset, current asset doesn't exceed 300k for mm -hmm. all the three years. Mm -hmm. Okay, that was the second category. Then the so that'll be like so that'll be like an investment holding company. Uh, so, investment holding company is not or, or just, the threshold will go above that. Okay, so like properties, uh, right, okay. Depends. Mm -hmm. You can say okay, it's sorry. small, it's a small family. Family yeah. company means yes, maybe yes. If a big okay. subsidy holding company with their subsidiaries is yeah. normally from my experience, you will go above that. Some of the companies, most of the dormant companies, they only have assets in the balance sheet, but the PL mm. is zero. They have investment over there, mm -hmm. over mm -hmm. here. That's mm -hmm. you can see because they'd like to fund the properties in these companies for future use, technically. Okay, understand, understand. Okay, for the third category is threshold yeah. qualified companies, we call it. Mm -hmm. The revenue not exceeding 100,000 in current or two preceding years. Mm -hmm. And the same thing, the asset not going above 300K for the past three, uh, mm -hmm. 
current year and the past two years. Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically very small companies then. Yeah. It's 100,000 yeah. ringgit. Okay. Yes. <laughs> right. So then you can say they, it's, I mean, the lowest one will be 100,000 ringgit. So if you're more than 100,000, you're probably going to have to think about audits, right? Yeah, correct. Gotcha. And Singapore, Punya? Okay, Singapore um, is quite straightforward. So mm-hmm. it go by threshold. So essentially, all companies uh, uh, can have audit exemptions uh, besides a public interest company uh, mm-hmm. where you meet two out of three uh, of the threshold uh, being uh, 50 headcounts uh, as in staff, uh, mm-hmm. 10 million Singapore dollars of total assets mm-hmm. and $10 million Singapore dollars of uh, revenue. So if you mm-hmm. hit two out of three over the two mm-hmm. financial year, uh, consecutive financial year, uh, mm-hmm. You, you have to do audit, meaning you don't get exemptions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ten million. So definitely, Malaysia is a much lower audit threshold than Singapore. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Understood. Uh, I want to talk about employment passes, and this is quite interesting because I know Singapore has had some changes recently. But generally speaking, for someone you know, you started a company and you want to bring in uh, professional staff from outside of the jurisdiction. What is the threshold in Singapore, generally speaking? I know it's unique to industry and stuff like that, but generally speaking. Okay, uh, Singapore has a few passes. So uh, the, 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 the most popular being the E-pass and the S-pass, employment pass and the S-pass. So employment mm-hmm. pass is a lot uh, for, for professionals. So mm-hmm. for PMET, they, they, they name it PMET. So mm-hmm. uh, that is uh, um, at least $5,000 a month, Singapore dollars mm-hmm. a month, mm-hmm. uh, to get an uh, employment pass. But also, it also depends on uh, nationality. So it doesn't mean that if you pay someone $5,000, uh, you'll get an employment pass uh, straight away. So it very much depends on uh, mm-hmm. the uh, nationality, obviously, right? So uh, S-Pass, on the other hand... Sorry, and, and just to clarify, PMET, professionals, managers, executives, and technicians? Technicians, yeah, yes. Oh, okay, okay, right. Yes, right. Okay. Next. So on the other hand, uh, S-Pass is for skilled workers, skilled mm-hmm. and semi-skilled workers, uh, a lot mm-hmm. lower. So the requirement is uh, uh, at least 3000 a month. You can get an S-Pass. So S-Pass... Uh, that definitely that uh, that works on quota, so quota mm. basis. So if you have uh, a lot, let's say if you recruit local citizens, uh, uh, being PR or Singapore citizens, uh, it goes by quota. So for mm. our industry like accountancy, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's seven to one. So every seven uh, locals that I hire, I get to hire uh, one. One. Foreign. One, um, uh, sorry, one work permit pass. S-pass. Uh, one S-pass. One work right. permit pass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But S-pass, uh, you can hire, you can hire, uh, uh, but it's subject to levy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Subject to levy. No. Yes. Oh, okay, great. Ravi? Yeah. Uh, Malaysia, that's what Singapore has. So we have for professionals employment pass. We have mm-hmm. for employment pass category, we have two categories here. Uh, one is the basic minimum salary is 10,000. That's the first year. Mm-hmm. Okay, the employment contract can be up to five years. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, the maximum. Then you, under this category, dependent pass is allowed. Okay, mm -hmm. so the minimum, uh, let's say, is a foreign-owned company means the paid-up capital must be at least 500K. Mm -hmm. That is the paid-up minimum, paid-up capital 500K. Then the and, and it must be it must be in a Malaysian bank. Yes. Liquid, 500K liquid in them. Okay, right. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. So, mm -hmm. uh... Oh, look, they say paid up capital 500k. It, it, uh, it's not to say a liquid cash 500. Ah. They can have asset also. Technically, they, they, ah. they all just know how to work out this 500. But okay. Okay. Oh, technically speaking, uh, technically speaking, if a new company means, of course, it's, it's going to be based on the liquid. If a long-term company means maybe they already have an asset or something, it can mm -hmm. be part of the paid up capital. It's not an issue as long as it's, it's part of the paid up. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then the second category is minimum salary is five uh five thousand maximum mm -hmm. to nine nine nine. That's the second category there. Second mm -hmm. category, the employment pass you have for two years. You mm -hmm. can do a contract up to two years. You can get a dependent pass on this also. Same paid up capital five hundred. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. The other question, if let's say the directors, the company directors himself mm -hmm. is a foreigner, you want to apply for the this thing. Him, the paid up capital must be at one million, so that is mm. a bit a bit more. You must mm -hmm. have a one million paid up capital there. So the other thing is now all these are under online. <clears throat> we have to mm -hmm. uh, apply online. That means you have to register before you apply the EP itself. You must register mm -hmm. the company first. The, mm. the company who is applying the EP will apply themselves online. Mm -hmm. It is not through the agent nowadays. Maybe what the agent will do, the agent will register the company there. Then they will use mm -hmm. the company's login to apply the function. Mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. That's how the system runs at the moment. Mm -hmm. Just like Singapore. Okay, understood. Right. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Uh, and Singapore also has the dependent pass, which is attached to the employment pass. But one change that has been recent, well, recently in the past few years, is that the dependent pass used to be able to work once there's a, a letter of consent, but I believe that's no longer the case. So if someone is an independent pass and they need to work, they need to get an EP themselves. W what about in Malaysia? If someone is on a dependent pass attached to an employment pass, can they work or would no, they need to they apply for work. employment pass? Okay, they same. Work. They have to surrender and apply for EP. Okay, same, same. Uh, I, I could see in many ways Singapore and Malaysia move in lockstep with each other. Okay. Yeah. Uh, connected to the idea of an employment pass, it used to be relatively common for an entrepreneur to create a company and have that company apply for their employment pass. You know, at least when I arrived in Singapore like 10 years ago, it was, it was not easy, but it was possible. But progressively, it's becoming more and more difficult for, for that to, to happen in Singapore. Am I correct in saying that, Bunyip? Well, how does it work for that entrepreneur? They want to have a startup, they have an idea. Are they able to create a company on their own and then that company give them an EP? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. So uh, definitely, yes, but it's getting a lot uh, harder these days. Uh, okay, reason being is they, uh, the government tried to avoid uh, phantom uh, EP. Okay, yeah. so in yeah. a way, you take up the quota, you don't really mm. 
belong in Singapore and uh, it's not fair to others, right? So that's, that's the whole idea, okay, that I see. Uh, but obviously now if a foreigner uh, would really uh, start a company and stay in Singapore to work, uh, have to uh, submit a business plan, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the recruitment plan, things like that. Uh, what's the, I mean, short-term plan, uh, three to five years plan, what you plan to do in Singapore with the company? Uh, will you bring your family, things like that? So mm -hmm. all in all, these are important characteristics for the government, uh, as in uh, for the manpower ministry, to consider mm -hmm. whether to grant you uh, an employment pass. Okay. And what about Malaysia? Is that possible? Yes, it's possible. As, as what I told earlier, and just what Gundim also said, you must incorporate the company first to apply, then your paid-up capital must be $1 million. Mm -hmm. Okay, then as what uh, Bunip say, you must get the government's approval. This is not they simply won't give you apply, also they won't give. It's because certain, certain industries like trade industries, you're doing trading, all this, they want to protect the local industry. So they want to see whether you, which one you can enter, which one you cannot enter, they, they will decide. So there's mm -hmm. conditions, license to apply, you must fulfill all these things before you can proceed for the UP. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Okay, so those are the questions that, that we have. Now, you know, if we step back, I mean, obviously we, uh, you know, I've been in the neighborhood for, for 10 years and you guys have lived there all your lives, right? So what are your thoughts? Like for what is the ideal type of entrepreneur that Singapore is more appropriate for versus Malaysia? Where's the right fit? Uh, Ravi, let's, let's start with you. Who who do you think would be better suited to Malaysia as opposed to Singapore, generally speaking? Generally speaking, Malaysia is, I think Malaysia is still, the labor are, not to say cheaper, it's quite mm -hmm. compatible, okay, mm -hmm. in this region. So mm -hmm. it's, it's more doable for manufacturing companies mm -hmm. to open up here, okay, mm -hmm. the contract manufacturing, Mm -hmm. this kind of things okay mm -hmm. so because it, it, it more, the cost will be more effective they do it here because we have a good infrastructure only mm -hmm. the problem these few years we are seeing the government is not stable as you understand because there's changes yeah. a lot of yeah. mm -hmm. uh, investment have more other than that i, I don't mm -hmm. see any issues on this mm -hmm. moving forward i i think they're doing something to bring more mm -hmm more on this actually, actually recently also before the pandemic all these things uh pandemic mm -hmm. is also one of the reasons hitting you see some of the factories are uh, pinning also a lot of factories pull out from pinning early stage mm -hmm. during the pandemic mm -hmm. but i heard uh, new companies a lot of new companies is coming even my state in negri sembilan we have a big industries area also there are big mm -hmm. investment also coming in so mm -hmm. it's it's, okay. it's most on i can i can see it's most on uh, labor still mm -hmm on labor incentive uh, uh, economics is more mm -hmm. suitable to Malaysia at the moment. Although, although we are diversifying other things uh, like talents mm -hmm. and professionals, but mm -hmm. at the moment, it's, it's there, I can say, for Malaysia. Okay. Understood. Um, what about you, Bunyab? What, what, what is the ideal type of entrepreneurial business model for which Singapore is a more appropriate jurisdiction? Uh, okay, Singapore, first of all, uh, leverage very much on uh, uh, 
uh, international context. So uh, the reason why Singapore is uh, one of the popular uh, countries to set up uh, for entrepreneurs to set up uh, their business or to come here to work, uh, reason being, uh, first of all, it, it's, it's, a, it's a field, it's an international field. So you have a lot of uh, uh, IHQ, international headquarters down in Singapore, yep. uh, uh, banking hub, I mean, uh, mm -hmm. finance hub, things like that. So they are all happening in Singapore. So mm -hmm. logistic-wise, it is still one of the uh, logistic hub in Singapore. So mm -hmm. you have all the transshipment happening in Singapore back in the British days. So it's not nothing new. So mm -hmm. what Singapore is doing is still leveraging on uh, all these uh, uh, incentives and uh, to further work on the branding on the international arena. So, but they have to work with partners like Singapore uh, work very closely with Malaysia, even mm -hmm. for us. So the, the government actually uh, encouraged us to work uh, very closely with neighboring countries. Like recently, mm -hmm. uh, I think Singapore signed some agreement with uh, Vietnam, right? Mm -hmm. Certain uh, trades. Uh, mm -hmm. to Malaysia many years ago. So what happened is uh, now we see uh, the international economy has been very different from before, very mm -hmm. isolated, very divided. Mm -hmm. So Singapore and the region, I would say uh, Asia-Pacific or, or at least Southeast Asia would mm -hmm. be uh, very interesting in terms of coming to work together. So the model is like uh, you set up the structure in Singapore and mm -hmm. uh, you would put all the, the activities uh, outside Singapore, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, lately we have a lot like coming down from China. So mm -hmm. what happened is Chinese is coming uh, down out from uh, about setting up uh, the base in Singapore, uh, mm -hmm. but they have to put the plant somewhere else. So mm -hmm. that's where Malaysia, Vietnam, Indonesia, they are all equally important. Yeah, mm -hmm. depending on your industry. So if you are doing mining, mining industry mm -hmm. so probably you end up in uh, uh, some uh, uh, eastern state in malaysia or uh, indonesia perhaps right mm -hmm. so yes if you're doing like like what uh, ravi say many contract manufacturing you end up in uh, uh, southern malaysia or northern malaysia mm -hmm. could be right so these are the the landscape that i see mm -hmm. yeah okay so to kind of summarize Malaysia is uh, well suited for someone who is on the manufacturing side because of course there's more space. Uh, the, the cost of getting things done is probably going to be a, a bit more attractive and you have a you know a well-educated workforce that yeah. that is at a, a price that is not as high as let's say Singapore or Hong Kong right but Singapore is very tiny and very expensive so and it's also positioned itself as an international, at least a regional, but definitely an international hub. So it will be part of a, a, a wider strategic plan to, you know, so you, you position yourself in Singapore, but you're taking advantage of the neighboring jurisdictions and, and so on, because right. Singapore has the banking, Singapore has the, you know, the, the financial services infrastructure, so on and so forth. So, okay. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Appreciate your time. So for those who are not aware, please visit our website, hg.tax. We are part of Moore's Rule in Asia Pacific. And 
Bunyip is with the team in Singapore, Ravi's with the team in Malaysia, and we have offices across 13, 14 countries, so as far north, north as Tokyo and Beijing, all the way down to Sydney and Melbourne across to India as well. So whatever you need, we probably the right place to start that conversation. Thank you very much. Have a good evening, and we'll see you next time. So if you're a six, seven, or eight-figure investor, entrepreneur, or business owner who needs a tailor-made solution from a qualified team of professionals, we can help you achieve the international lifestyle, the freedom, and even the tax savings you're looking for. Visit us at htj.tax and live that international life.